always love seeing you wait on the clap, but I, I never know if it's the video delay or just you being slow, but welcome back to the 65th episode of The Gentleman's Breakfast. As always, I'm joined by my dear friend Seamus. Mm. How are you today, Seamus? Great to be back. I'm just t- calling in from the shores of Tahoe here, Jake. Beautiful, scenic. I'm on the Nevada side up here in the, the northeast. I did not realize that. Uh, of course, I said, uh, how's your day going and not how's your morning going? Because after we got through our technical difficulties, it's pretty much solidly the afternoon now. <laughs> I do really enjoy having that time zone benefit on you for when you want to get going with the show early. I've got that one hour yeah. uh, ahead of you. I've realized not to push my luck there. I've realized you're more of a 9 a.m. 9 a.m. is kind of pushing it. 10, 10 a.m. is kind of your sweet spot before you're really doing your day. Sure. But, you know, as always, we have to get into uh, our um, uh, legally required commentary on the song that we've just heard, yeah. Drive by Incubus, a, which Seamus's comment that caused me to almost spit my beer up was, and I quote, oh, I used to listen to this song a lot in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite a bit. This is a song that was recorded in 1999. Mm-hmm was released in 2000. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember it most because in the, like, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, you know, little uh, guilt circle jerk there that they would do in middle school and high school, they would play this song. And I would always think, like, these poor guys that recorded this song, they were were not thinking that this was going to be played over, like, pictures of drunk driving accidents from children to make, you know, 14-year-olds feel bad about drunk driving. And I remember being perplexed in the auditorium watching this kind of shit, thinking, you guys realize I don't have a license yet, right? Like, I I, I physically can't drunk drive. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I do love the fact that you were listening to this song in 2007, the year that Radiohead's In Rainbows came out. One of the greatest albums of all time. Oh, we may have to. Uh, a lot of big things going on in the musical world there, but Seamus is throwing it all the way back to 2000 with a little drive by Incubus. I hope that someone overheard you listening to this song in 2007. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, re- I'm reading the lyrics here. Would you choose water over wine, hold the wheel and drive? I didn't really realize what the song was about when I was jamming out to it in 2007. Because uh, Incubus had released another album, I want to say in like, 2006 2007 that was good this was their third album that was called make yourself that this one was but they on. had another this was, album. Their, they, this was their breakout hit yeah i had another album they had other albums after that yeah but, that was around yeah. there and i went down the incubus rabbit hole and jake i was still thinking i was going to be, become a professional soccer player waking up at five in the morning <laughs> in college when i had to go to bed at midnight and i would dribble around in the dark for 45 minutes and oftentimes drive and other incubus songs would be in the headphones Wait, so this was you in college, and you did not play soccer yeah, in college? Yeah, so great story it, for all those who are still here. Uh, I was captain of the golf team for three years, and then I got really passionate about playing soccer, so I started getting in shape and playing. And then I asked all my friends on the soccer team, I'm like, would you guys suggest I join or try out? And they're like, my passion for the sport has gone down more and more each year because the coach is that much of a, a wiener. I was like, huh. This is what your friends are telling you. The captain of the the soccer team, yeah, and other friends on the team. So I was like, well, I can still do the golf thing and then wake up really early and play, and that maybe fulfills my passion to play soccer. 
So that's what I did. The coach is really going to have that much of an effect on your decision to play your sport or not. This is coming from someone who did not have to play football in the South. My choices were play football in 100-degree heat and get yelled at a bunch or get called gay by my friends. Well, here are, here are my options. Those were your two choices in Texas. And then so and everyone preferred to get called gay by their coach on the field in 100 degree heat which would ultimately happen. But you got I got to set the set in uh, a little bit better where I went to a military school so I wasn't allowed to leave the damn school ever. And the only time I could leave was like brief periods on the weekend to go get really drunk in the woods. My other thing is like I was captain of the golf team at this point. So in essence, I organized all the times that we would leave the school and go play golf. And we weren't really a golf team. We were just, you know, a drinking team disguised as that. But we'd get a government van, load up on some 40s, and go play golf. And I organized when the practices were. So I would do a couple during the week, and then we'd have our tournaments. And that's pretty casual, right? Like, that's not that big of a commitment. And then I'd play a bunch of free, nice golf courses in Long Island in the greater New York area. Or I can go join the soccer team, have to maintain, like, peak fitness have to go like on day games and like not get my work done and come back at 10 or 11 at night i mean it was kind of an easy trade-off at that point i've lost interest in (laughs) stories about college but in terms of things that you learned in college that could be applicable today there's been a couple of major shipping incidents lately shipping incidents i don't know if you've had your eye on that there was the suez canal shutdown and then did you read the articles about the guy that got stuck on a ship outside of egypt for four years no what happened there there was a guy on a container ship. You have to read this. Uh, somewhere off the coast of Egypt. And basically, they were coming through port at one point, And they, had, they were behind on an invoice for a new keel that they had gotten the last time that they were in that port for $27,000. The captain is uh, on shore uh, getting supplies or whatever. And some officials come by with a document that needs to be signed. And the second in command is there. He calls the captain. The captain says, sure, just sign for it. I'll deal with it when I'm back. What the second in command is signing is a legal responsibility for that invoice, which he has no means to pay because he hasn't been paid by this shipping company. The guy that owns the ship goes bankrupt. Everyone over time abandons the ship. But this one dude is legally responsible in Egypt for this invoice. Because he signed it. So they will not let him leave this ship until this invoice is paid for. He's on the ship for four years, Seamus. This is a Turkish captain. Wow. So he's is he like somewhere in the Suez Canal or like right at the mouth of the Suez Canal? No, I, well, I, I, I don't know how close he is to the canal or, or not. I, I just, you know, I, I, um, when I was reading it, it said off the coast of Egypt. The, the best part is there's a there's a moment like years into this thing where the ship is obviously in a state of disrepair and it starts to sink. And he's thinking to himself like, if this massive ship sinks here, it's going to suck me under and like I'm done. But he's also thinking this could be the only opportunity that, opportunity that I have to get off of this fucking ship because they can't keep me on it if it's sinking. So he calls Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Their, you know, Egyptian Coast Guard or whatever comes out and gets him. They interrogate him on the shore for like 10 hours. They repair the hull of the ship and they put him back on it. No way. Yeah. It's one of these like nightmare maritime law situations where just like nobody wants to deal with it, right? 
Like, and he's Syrian, I think. Yeah. So his country is not doing dick about it. Uh, I, I think it was, I, I forget what the, what flag the ship was under. I think you might have said Turkish or whatever. They're not doing shit about it. And the Egyptians are basically just like, I want my $27,000 and I don't care what has to happen. Wow. It's fucking wild. But how was he getting read, fed? You should read about it he, after like, the show. How did he feed himself? I, I don't know. I, I haven't read that far into it. Uh, they had to have been bringing him food or something. Yeah. For four years. Pretty wild. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, speaking of someone, it's about the strand, sign up for something that they don't fully understand and strand themselves at sea uh, without anyone to really help them. Uh, we have we have a wedding coming up. We do. We have a shotgun wedding. So, um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those rare situations where I think I can somewhat confidently say Given the informality of the event, if you're listening to this, you're invited. Yeah, I mean, I would love it to be the the actual number of guests to be the number of listeners, but that's another topic. Yeah, so me and the the fiance roommate decided last Friday said, "Hey, we were going to do a small ceremony. Like, well, why don't we just invite our friends, see who responds, and then we'll go from there. Basically, a little day trip that we always like to make." Up the, co- up the coast of California on the one, stop at this beach, go to this winery, and then if everybody has enough energy, bring them to this real nice dive bar in Petaluma. Um, floored. Real nice dive bar. Floored, overwhelmed, touched by the amount of the success rate of people that are going to come. Everyone's vaxxed up and ready to go, baby. Yeah, but like how far people are traveling, it's it's it's... It's touching. It's Did you get your vaccine yet, Seamus? Yeah, I just got my second one last Sunday. There you go. See? Uh, look at how responsible you're getting. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I was most impressed by was, so I knew you were getting like bombarded by questions about this event. I think all that I said in my text message was, I was like, hey, any pointers that you could give me on like where I need to stay and when, let me know. If not, no big deal. I'll figure it mm-hmm. out. Because I, I figured this was all swirling around. And then you sent out an email that I texted you, and I was like, this was the perfect email. This told me everything that I needed to know and nothing more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it drove some people nuts because they were concerned by the lack of details, but it was perfect for yeah, me. Yeah, no, I, I, I was touched. I, I told uh, I told the fiancé that. I'm like, look, I got a nice positive message from Jake about the email. I was like, really? It's like, yeah, it was very positive. He liked it. Um, so in essence, so we started telling people last Friday afternoon, and this is before I get the commitment of the winery to say like, hey, I'm going to bring 20 sudden people to your winery. Are you cool with that? You know, the restrictions in Northern California have been very sure. tight. So I had to ask in person. So I sent, asked everybody Friday. So then on Saturday, my friends who happen to be all logistics majors and just cannot <laughs> handle not knowing a plan. <laughs> we're like all up. They're like, do we stay up in Bodega, Jenner? Where do we stay? I'm like, give me a minute. Like, I have to figure this out because it's a, you know, this is a moving hurricane here. I don't know right, where right. we're going to land. I know we're going to land somewhere. So by the time Sunday rolls around, they're like, where should we book our flights? Should we go to Sacramento? And I was like, I'm like, okay, this is nice that everybody's doing this for me. But I'm like, Jesus Christ, I got to figure out what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so I was like, I sent out. The- at, at any point during this torrent of text messages, did, did you think about calling it off? No. 
No, I was just like, at this point, it's like where you're selfish. You're like, look, this is the wedding. Deal with me and my chaos or don't come. Like, that's that's what you signed up right. for, right? Right. That's part of it. It's 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 your guy's day. You get to determine how the setup for it works and everything. Yeah. So the winery is like super accepting, like, yeah, cool. So in essence, we invite double the amount of people that we told the winery is going to come. 97% of the people said yes, Jake. So I got to go back to the winery and tell them, hey, you know that 18 to 25 thing? It's looking more like 35 to 40. Maybe maybe you could do two wineries and then midway through we could swap. This one's like so off the beaten path that, uh, yeah. I'm also happy to just tailgate outside the winery. <laughs> that would be fun. Or if we just all book the other tables at the winery. I mean, they're, they're cool. Like we've been going there four years. I think they'll make it yep. work. Um, but then, um, Jake, I actually have a, a big responsibility. I'd be honored to ask you live on the show. Oh, wow. Let's hear it. So we're going to get do the ceremony, walk through the beach, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a big position that needs to be filled. So in order to get back on the bus, we have to clean everybody's feet off so there's no sand, so we avoid the $500 <laughs> charge. I would like you to be in charge of making sure people w- properly wipe their feet. Do you think you can take this on that is, responsibility? I can. It, this is biblical. <laughs> this is the washing of the feet, Seamus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring like a basin and personally wash everyone's feet. <laughs> We're talking to the bus guy. He's like, all right, well, we scouted out the route. And if you bring drinks on there and there's any stain, it's $500. I'm like, okay, I hope that people can be an adult and not like throw beers. Or what anything. kind of bus did you find here where this guy's just throwing out fines? What happened to that guy? What was the guy's name that we got from Morrissey? The Gilly bus guy? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we on that one? That The Gilly bus, you know, maybe if they have two Gilly buses, I don't know. But this guy's like, well, yeah, yeah, I guess you have a bigger crew. He's like, it's $500 if you, if you spill. I'm like, okay. And then it's $500 if there's any sand on it. I'm like, look, now we're looking at $1,000 for anything that gets on this thing. Like, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to procure a super soaker. Mm. And uh, I'm just going to stand in front of the bus with the super soaker uh, and just hose everybody right on the feet there. That's right probably down. the move. Um, that'd be huge. I mean, because you know there's going to be a couple of people like, well, no, my feet are fine. I'm like, look, I know you may have a couple morsels in there, but that's a $500 fine. Then I'm not willing to. Yeah, I got to make sure I really get between the toes. Yeah, and we're going to bring some towels. We'll figure it out. Um, but it should be fun. Uh, what I enjoy most, it's just a perfect reflection of like. I think. Let's be clear. If the driver sees me standing there with a super soaker hitting each person's feet, there's no way that they could find you. They got to give you an A for effort on that one. Yeah. I mean, they've got to be appreciative of that. So the, the other wrinkle is I didn't invite any of my family. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have they caught wind of this event? No, but I'm going to tell them this week. What are you going to tell them? Well, I previously orchestrated a family vacation slash wedding in Wyoming to happen in the middle of June. So that's been ongoing for a number of months. So that was the reason to get the whole family together in June. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the lack of like the the fiance's family coming, you know, doesn't feel right to do anything in Wyoming without her family there. Okay. So we're like, well, let's just get our friends together and see what happens. 
because I'm not going to ask my family to fly across the country again. What's this Wyoming deal? Uh, my whole immediate family is just coming together for a week. And I said... Are you guys doing Yellowstone? Uh, what are we doing? Um, Tetons. Yellowstone Jack- is... Oh, oh dude, I've, I've heard great things about that park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've driven past it. You can see the, the Tetons from the from the road, but didn't, didn't uh, go in. But uh, yeah. Heard from a lot of people that that's... Uh, just as good of a park if not better than yellowstone yeah i'm excited i'm excited so we're just gonna spend a week or 10 days out there and really enjoy the west and uh just a litter of uh nieces and nephews running around so well i'm looking forward to seeing all the viewers out there (laughs) Uh, there was so I, i only have one other piece of content that i can bring to you which is that uh, while we were prepping for the show, uh, I was you know perusing the news, and there was an article informing me that the generation younger than us yeah. is statistically more depressed than we are. Because it's just great to hear. They actually said overall we're a fairly upbeat, uh, upbeat generation. But I was most interested by they're 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 only interviewing like one woman about this. Like one psychiatrist, like she's going to be able to speak for an entire generation of people. Mm. She's branded this the the generation after us, which apparently we are. If you're born from 1980 to 1994, you are a millennial. I disagree with this. I think if your ass touched the 80s, then you are Gen X or whatever. But fine. Mm-hmm. Um. She's branding them iGen, like little I, um, like those Apple products that you're so fond of that never work for the show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading about it. And it's this 45-year-old woman in San Diego. And I love the author drops in this tidbit, which is uh, I met with, you know, the woman, and she was only willing to meet with me uh, under the condition that we sit 10 feet apart in her backyard and she agreed to take her mask off if I kept my mask on for the purpose of recording because he wanted to be able to record Wait, hold on. This is the person that they're gathering the information from? Yes. This is the psychiatrist they're gathering information on or or, that that they're interviewing for this bit and she's published multiple books and all of her books are basically like Generation whatever is the worst generation ever. <laughs> Here's how they're underprepared for life. Uh, thinking about just like, are you going to sell any books if you say like, this guys, this generation's fine. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, no. Everything's going great. You're going to sell zero books. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman is like the queen of Karen's. Queen of what? Karen's. Carrots? Like food? No, Karen. Oh, Karen's. Karen's, sorry. Karen's, yeah, Queen of Karen's. She doesn't have the Karen hairdo, but she's got everything else going on. Uh, speaking of generations, well, I think the generation after us, uh, Z, Z, is that it? Uh, something like that, probably. I don't I mean, know. Growing up in social media, being like a twelve or eleven year old, like actually caring. Yeah, it'd be Z because it was X millennial, and then it, yeah, it'd be like Z or whatever. That'd be terrible. Like actually caring about. People just think about like how ruthless a thirteen or fourteen year old is, and then you start growing boobs or 
there's a shot of your groin area and it's like oh look it's a little cold outside huh jake you know things like that as it growing up and like thinking that's important where we just had to just sit behind a screen on aol and like oh man they haven't responded in five minutes maybe she doesn't like me or what creative away message do i have to leave well, but you had to be physically present at the computer versus it just being in your pocket where it could drive you nuts all the time. But right. I liked uh, they were going through, you know, events that have defined generations, right? So it's World War One, Great Depression, World War Two, Vietnam. Uh, for us, it would be 9-11 and the financial crisis. Right. I think being in high school or college right now has to be fucking terrible, right? Like, it, it, it has to stunt your development so much. Having, like, one to two years where you're basically, like, not around anybody. Not really growing anyway. But and, you know, you're coming into your zone as, like, a human. You're like, oh, I'm looking, feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm an adult. Now I can go out and socialize. And I've spent the last 18 months with my parents. That sucks. Um, they, part of what they were talking about too was alcohol usage and sexual experimentation are at like an all time low with this generation. Yeah. I mean, how, how could you, you can't like think about cheaters. I think we've talked about this before. Cheaters are just like wiped off the face of the earth. Like the amount of cheating that has happened has had to be like all time lows, but yeah, like how can I go get alcohol? Like I'm thinking of my neighbors. They have two, uh, teenage daughters and they go to school and then they go home. Like, what, what do they do? There's no reason to go anywhere else. You have to announce where you're know. going. How are you going to get alcohol? The the cheating thing, I think, is always uh, just so so frustrating. I it, it reminds me of two incidents. One was there was a cheating incident in one of my physics classes when I was in high school. And... Like, I didn't even bother to cheat. Just, like, whatever assignment it was, oh, I just didn't want to do it. You got a little dorky. I mean, you're, like, talking about cheating in school. I was, like, yeah, talking yeah. about cheating, cheating on, like... Oh, you're talking about, like, relationship cheating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. These guys don't even have the opportunity to it. They're not boning anybody. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, uh, getting acquainted with a sock in front of their computer or something. Yeah. Even if you have that space. Uh, I have a question for you. Speaking of generations... Generation X is after us. Is there another generation between X and Boomer? What are they going to do when they hit Z? No. They're going to run no, out between, of letters? Between X and Boomer, is there a generation? I don't know enough about it, and I think that all that shit's kind of arbitrary. But, um, well, <laughs> so it, my girlfriend and I have been watching Lost lately. Mm, great show. Um, which is, yeah, I, I've seen it all the way through, and, and she's never seen it. We're like midway through. She's enjoying it. But I was watching the show the other day, and what came to mind was, you know, most of the people on the show, when the show was filmed, are were about our age, mm-hmm. right? Which meant at that point in time, they would have been born in like 1971. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, just very different uh, circumstances, but uh, I don't know. I I hate all the labeling of this is millennial this or that, and every generation is the worst. And um, it, it just it just sells, right? I mean, think about 
even in our lifetime, like this is how fast technology has grown. There was a point in our lifetime where a song would come on the radio. I'd run over to the radio and try to put a new tape in and mm-hmm, press mm-hmm. record. Yep. Or I remember doing that. I like the then, song. Well, and then and then like Napster and Kazaa came out and made that irrelevant. But yeah, it was, it was right near the tail end of or that. Or even like we were like we we're just old enough to have like tape decks. You're like, oh, flip the song over, listen to two minutes of another song you don't like to go back to the song you want to listen to. Yeah, yeah, you don't get to pick everything. I mean, or how about uh, having the the CD skip? Just every once in a while, it's just going to cut out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of cutting out, I'm excited to see the mask wearing cut out a little bit out here in San Francisco. Oof. The the announcement this week was big. Like we're changing work policies around it. Um, now I think like as a result of the pandemic, uh, I've been on multiple rants at the office where I'm just like, other than four walls and moderate, moderate. I'm not even going to give you great climate control. This office provides nothing. Nothing in here works. The internet isn't great. You guys don't have monitors set up anywhere. If I do find a monitor, there's no HDMI cable by it. I don't have the right kind of type of computer to work with. Uh, like it's just no one is prepared for people to come back to work, other than established companies that have been doing this for a long time. But you know, yeah, who works for those? Anymore? I mean, I don't even care about the work thing. I mean, that that will figure itself out. But just Jake, the fact that I can go down the sidewalk now and not constantly have to go like this every three feet is a huge win. You didn't have to do that before, dude. If you're wearing a mask, I'm telling you, in judgment, judgment, Frisco, you you do like people are just grilling you all over the place. So like. To me, it's like, nope, vaccinated. And, like, I, it took me a while to second. I'm like, these old people, they've been vaccinated for months. Why are they doing it? Right? And, like, there's still, I'm Jake, there's still, like, 50 to 70% of the people still wearing masks outside. Like, not even in groups in San Francisco. I, yeah. I'm very supportive of masks inside. Yeah. And it's still going to be a thing for a little while. And I also like people bitch about it and they're like, well, people are getting vaccinated now. Why do we still need to wear masks? Because it's a symbol because not everyone is getting vaccinated. Yeah. We, I mean, we're not even at what are we at in the country? Like 60 percent. So even? like I, I don't like this is where I'm just like, take a step back here, bud. Right. You're not wearing the mask for yourself. Yeah. You wear the mask for other people. I get that you don't give a shit. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, outside, that's where I draw the line. I'm, uh, if I'm walking down the sidewalk, I'm not wearing a fucking mask. Yeah. Unless I'm like right about to go into a place, I'm not wearing a fucking yeah, mask. Yeah, well, the biggest, the biggest comedy of eras is all this outdoor dining. So obviously I live like two blocks that are like very, have a bunch of outdoor dining. There's lots of people. And there's 50 people. No mask right. on. And then the three people waiting that are sitting right next to them have mask on. So then when I walked through on the sidewalk, I was like, do you realize how, like, this is not really going to help you? Then you're going to feel comfortable as soon as you sit down that you're not going to put the mask on for the next hour and a half? Doesn't make any sense. Who knows? Um, you know, we've had some long episodes lately, but I think we're right about at par for a standard gentleman's breakfast episode. Well, I think that we've we've dragged this almost complete lack of content to the finish line. Here. <laughs> I thought it was a good effort. Um, Jake, do you have a report card for us today? 
I, I never have a scale anymore. Uh, let me think. Um, if you were a TV show. Okay. I like this. What TV show would you be? Uh, well, I mean, are we going to do this in the traditional scorecard? Yeah, method? you're going to rate I get, I give you a TV show and then you give me a TV. I don't have to give myself no, a rating. No, okay. but if I were a TV show, what TV show would you give me? <sighs> if you were a TV show, I think that you would be Law & Order SVU. SVU? Which is... For God knows what reason, a popular show on TV is people watching investigations into rapes and sexual crimes. Why people choose to do this, I don't know. But they keep showing up for more. Because people crave drama. They do. So everyone's always sitting there waiting for that next dun-dun. <laughs> and that's, you know, you know when you come around to Seamus, you're going to see... Some drama that you didn't need to see. Self-created, you think? But it, it keeps you engaged. Hmm. Oh, that was a nice one. You you strike me as a, a Doogie Howser. A little throwback to the okay. late late 80s, early 90s. Big throwback. You start watching, you're like, wow, this kid's really smart. But he's kind of pompous. But what? I'm fine with getting compared to Neil Patrick Harris any day of the week. So you're like, you watch it, like, why am I watching? The show isn't actually terribly interesting. His intelligence is interesting, but he's kind of a dick. But he's only 13. You can't really say that about him. <laughs> that You know, that's kind of what you are. You're, you're kind of like a Doogie Hauser. I have never actually seen the show. But I think that, sadly, that's an apt comparison. Yeah, you got something to I'll say again, though. Look, Neil, I'm fine with getting compared to Neil Patrick Harris any day of the week. Well, that's, that's all we have today. Maybe the next one we do in person. Who knows? Um, Ooh. Just to tease the listeners, maybe it'll be an on-site. Maybe we'll find time. Don't know. Could be. I look forward to getting to resolve your tech issues in person mm. instead of over Zoom. But, uh, you know, as always, thanks for coming out. Till next time. See you guys.